Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio and Matt Bovey, always game day in Buffalo. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed your bye week, everybody. hope you still listen to the show during the bye week. We did a couple of shows last week after the Bills beat the Kansas City Chiefs and then rolling into the bye week. And now we're back and Matt is too. He told you about his foot surgery. <laughs> I have not had a chance to even talk to him myself because he is obviously recovering from foot surgery, but Matt, first of all, welcome back and tell me and everybody, how did it go? What have you been doing, man? Well, it went well. Thank you for asking. I'm losing my mind just because I'm kind of stuck in one place. So basically I am doing this from my dining room table right now. And for the last three days, my only kind of areas that I've been able to get around the house are my living room, my dining room, and my kitchen. I haven't left those three rooms because I've got a knee scooter and I've got crutches, but right now I can really only maneuver myself to those certain areas. It's not really painful right now it's more agitating than anything it's the ability to not be able to do little things that you take for granted that you don't realize until you're in this situation like until i had the knee scooter i was sitting there and i had a headache and i had a headache because i haven't had caffeine that day which probably tells you that i drink too much coffee so i was like okay i'm gonna go up and make a cup of coffee No, I wasn't. Problem was I had two crutches and I had no way of carrying the cup of coffee back to anywhere where I could drink the cup of coffee because I needed the crutches to get around. So I actually had to like go over to the coffee machine and just lean up against the counter and drink the coffee there because I couldn't take it back. And same thing with like meals. You can't do anything unless you've got other people at the house. So it's been an adjustment. I'm getting really bored. I'm getting really, really agitated. You can only watch TV so much, and I'm just looking forward to this weekend. I'm still planning to cover the game. I am hoping to get dropped off at the stadium with my knee scooter and take the elevator up to the press box and roll around like uh, I'm a Bills player on the injury report. So (laughs) I'm looking forward to getting out of the house, but we're still a couple days away from that. 
So you, you just can't go up and down stairs at all, right? Anything like that? I think eventually I'm going to have to like right. before I come to the game on Sunday, I'm going to have to get upstairs. I'm going to have to go change. I'm going to have to do all that stuff. Yeah. But I think the only way I can really get upstairs right now is honestly, if I like get onto my butt and I like go <laughs> step by step individually. Yes. So I think that's really the only way. And then like at my house, I have an Xbox in my basement and I was like, Oh, I'll just play Xbox for a bunch of the week. Can't do that. Cause I can't get down the stairs. So it's literally just been stuck in the living room watching TV. All right. So what is it? What have you been watching then? Um, you have different TV shows, movies, game yeah. shows. I haven't really been watching anything specific. I've tried to watch some different documentaries here and there. I'm not a huge, like, I like, I like TV shows, but I'm not right. a huge, like sit there and binge a TV show kind right. of guy. So I haven't started anything that, you know, people told me I got a bunch of great recommendations. I'm going to kind of be in this boat for a while. So I've just been watching like regular TV and then a lot of documentaries on random different things. I watched the redeem team. That was good. That was about Mm -hmm. the 2008 Olympic U S basketball team. I've watched a couple history documentaries. So I'm just trying to find things that pique my interest at the time. I've also just been like, we have a smart TV. So I've just been on YouTube and I'm just like diving deep into like old highlights of sporting events that I feel that just pop into my head. I definitely can get into that for sure. Um, Well, so what's the timeline here? When are you going to be fully back to Matt Bove? I don't think for like a month. Honestly, I think it's going to be a while. So next week it's I have not to that go. Bad. No, it's not that bad. But next week, like right now it's on my right foot. So I have this right. massive cast on my right foot. So I can't drive right now. Right. So next week I'm going to have it go checked out. And I'm hoping that they can take me out of this big, ridiculous cast and put me in something smaller. So then I can kind of drive and just get back to like being able to go places. But yeah, I, and honestly, that's the reason I did it right now. I did it during a part of the schedule where three of the four games were at home because I know that, you know, I can always make it work when I'm in the area. So it was strategically picked, but we're only like three days into it and I'm already like getting antsy. Well, hope you feel better. It sounds like you're doing fine. You're in good spirits. You know, you know yourself, you know what your limitations are, what you can and can't do. And that's kind of half the battle. I think this uh, not being able to drive thing could be a good thing though. I mean, you get a driver, your wife drives you around, you know, your family drives you around. You got an excuse to kind of get a driver, come to your house, pick you up. Sounds good to me, man. You know what? I'll take it for right now because I know I'm not going to probably ever have that again, but I mean, we're doing this on Wednesday night and I got to say, I was watching everybody's tweets and reports and listening to you on the radio from home on Wednesday. And I was losing it. I was like, I cannot believe I'm missing a bills practice. I was like, this is brutal. So please fill me in on what I missed. Well, it's a good transition to tell you all about Tredavious white because Sean McDermott did say to the media on Wednesday that he will not play Sunday against the Packers. Now I'm not totally surprised. He's not playing. What I am surprised at is that Sean McDermott was so definitive already early in the week. Now, if he did plan on playing, he probably wouldn't be that definitive. He would say, ah, we'll see how it goes, but he already ruled him out. And I think that was the bit of a surprising thing to me since he has been practicing since October 12th and they do have until next week to activate him. Now there seems to be some ambiguity on the exact day. So still trying to chase that down. But to me, I believe it is November 1st, which is Tuesday because his first day of practice was October 12th. They have a 21 day window to activate him Once he starts practicing, the first practice counts as a day. So you count October 12th, 21 days, get you to November 1st, but either way, it's gotta be next week, Tuesday or Wednesday. There's some ambiguity there. Like I said, but that is the big news of the day, which is Tredavious White not going to play Sunday against the Packers. And even then, Matt, if he is and when he is activated next week, I would assume 
there's no guarantee he plays against the Jets. He could be a healthy scratch. Basically, they could eat the roster spot and just play him when he's ready. That's kind of the thing. So one thing I did notice from obviously sitting on the couch was that I saw video of him and it looked like he was out of the red non-contact jersey. So that's yes. at least a good sign that he's trending Very in the right direction. And I, you know what? Give him as much time as he needs. I think we all expect that he's going to be put on the roster next week. And after that, if he's got to take another week or two off, whatever, that's fine. You need Tredavious white healthy for the playoffs. You don't need Tredavious white healthy for week eight for week nine. You're a good enough team right now where you can win these games probably without them. You should win these games, honestly, without them. So I think getting him as close to a hundred percent is in the best interest of the bills, not just in the short term, but also in the long term. Yeah. And think about the next few opponents. Yes. Aaron Rodgers, but come on, they're doing nothing in the passing game. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you have the jets after that. And we know that, you know, they don't throw the ball really well. They're more of a run team and they don't really even try to have Zach Wilson do too much. And then maybe the Vikings, Justin Jefferson, you know, they have Adam Thielen, they have receivers, they have guys that are good, but yeah, opponent wise, um, just long-term goal wise, what you're trying to do. I agree with that. I do find it interesting that I think it is, like I said, at Tuesday at 4 PM that that coincides with the trade deadline. Yeah. Like, like, okay. So how this works is the bills are going to have to make a move, a corresponding roster move to activate Tredavious white. They could release somebody. They could put somebody on injured reserve. They could also trade somebody. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me that the day that they have to make a decision is also the trade deadline day. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that maybe they trade somebody who they, you know, they have a good roster. Somebody else finds valuable enough that they can get a pick back. And that's how Tredavious white basically replaces that person on the roster. Yeah. I think that would make a ton of sense, especially because you don't want to just lose somebody for nothing. If you don't have to, if you can take a player who you're thinking about releasing and you can get a sixth, the seventh round pick from another team for that player, then I think you should look into that. I'm also interested to see how the bills approach this trade deadline. Cause we talked about it the last time we taped a podcast. I think they're going to be aggressive. I think they should be aggressive. I think we saw moves already around the league today of contenders like the Eagles trying to go out and get better, get that much better. So I think if you're the bills and there's interesting options out there, it's not maybe just putting Trey white back on the 53. It's putting Trey white back on the 53. And then maybe it's adding another player trading for another player. The thing that's interesting though, is because they have to make these corresponding moves. I think we're more likely to see a player dealt in a trade than we are. Maybe just compensation. Maybe it's not just a draft pick. Maybe it's a draft pick and a player so they can make it work with the 53. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens um, before we you know, move on to maybe what lies ahead for the bills. The other injury news, I would say really the fact that they're as healthy as they've been in weeks, Matt, remember they went through a couple of weeks stretch there where it was looking pretty bleak with all the guys that were out and all the, you know, injured players and backups who had to play. We're kind of past that. Now it really started with that Kansas city game when they started to get guys back, but they still had a lengthy injury report and then they had the bye week Well, on Wednesday, the first injury report of the week comes out and you have Tom, uh, Spencer Brown, who is now, believe it or not, listed as day to day by Sean McDermott, not week to week, day to day, which I thought was a surprise considering how bad that injury looked when he went down. Um, but Spencer Brown, day to day. And then Jake Kumaro returned to practice with an ankle injury. He's basically day to day as well, but he's missed three games. That's it. Taiwan Jones didn't practice with a knee injury, but sometimes that happens. He's a veteran and you know, they, they give him a, a day or two to kind of get over that. So other than that, man, I think the big news is that this team is getting healthier again. 
Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of vet rest on that list too, yep. which I think is a good sign because I think those guys are on there because they're expected to play on wow. Sunday. I said that it's the healthiest roster since week one when they yep. were healthy going against the Rams. Wow. And I also saw Micah Hyde back at practice today. Not pra- and I, I want to clarify Micah Hyde is not practicing, but he was back in wow. Orchard park today. He is in the building and he's going to be in the building. He is staying. He's going to be a part of this team. What his specific role is, isn't officially determined, but basically he's going to be helping out. He's going to be helping the young defensive backs prepare. Um, he was asked, Sean McDermott was asked, was he, would he be a quasi coach? And, you know, McDermott didn't want to go that far. I think that's, that's, that's kind of a loaded question, right? You say that, you know, you want to have respect for the guy. He's a player who's injured, right? But he is going to be helping out as much as possible. Micah talked to the media today. It was really interesting. Um, we say today, by the way, if you're listening to this, we're talking about Wednesday. That's when we're recording this, but it was really interesting on him talking about, you know, how tough it was to watch on TV, how he had to kind of shape his mindset to go from, man, it's really tough not to be a part of it to wait a minute. I am, and can still be a part of it. And that's how he's kind of really changed into the positive mindset of how he can be valuable to this team. I feel for that dude. I felt for that guy since the minute he got hurt. And I understand, you know, Micah Hyde has made a lot of money playing this game and he's going to come back and he's going to be on this team. I just, I think of people who kind of transitioned the bills from what they were to what they've become. And he's at the top of the list. It's Micah Hyde. It's Tredavious white. It's Jordan Poyer. It's Josh Allen. Those are the guys that I think of and then McDermott and Bean, I guess, but those are the guys that immediately come to mind. So I just really, really feel bad for the situation, but I am glad that he can spend this time around his teammates because I do think there's great value in him being there, whether it's on the sideline, whether it's in the locker room after practice or on the practice field, like he is a guy that they can learn from. And they are playing his former team this week, the green Bay Packers. Unfortunately, Micah won't get a chance to play against them again. I say again, because In the last game, he did play, but he went out in the first quarter with an injury. That was in 2018, Josh's rookie year. They go down to Green Bay. They lose 22 to nothing. But the Bills and the Packers, they're going at it on Sunday night football this week. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former Sports Center 
anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, welcome back, everybody. First off, I apologize if in the background you hear a dog barking. That's my dog Harper. I don't know if Love you it. can hear her sale. I did. I can't. I can't get up and get her, which is because I'm stuck at this table for right now. So I apologize if you hear her in the background. But of course, we're getting you ready for the Packers game and sale. When we started talking about this season, when the schedule came out, we broke it into two parts. We broke it into the first eight weeks of the schedule, and then we broke it into everything after that. And we all said that if the Bills could survive these first seven games, weeks one through eight, then they would be in a really good position to go on a run. I think at the time, we expected a lot more from the Packers than we've seen up to this point. So big picture. What do you think of this matchup? Do you think the Bills are heads and shoulders above the Packers? I mean, they're big favorites in this game. Yeah, I think, you know, but it's always dangerous to have a, an Aaron Rodgers on the other side. And, you know, I mean, he's, this guy's so great. And you never know. He just makes a few plays and suddenly you're like, wait, what happened here? Right. I mean, that's happened before. We see that. But, man, this team should be so much better than the Packers than what they've shown. The Bills are just they're loaded, their roster, the way they're playing, Josh Allen, they're home. It's going to be really good weather to throw the football if they want. The, the Packers just seem like they're having such internal strife right now, right? They just can't get out of their own way. They're, you know, Rogers saying a lot of things in the locker room and to the media that you're like, oh, well, he's Aaron Rodgers. That's what he does. But it seems even more so Then you have also the, um, uh, the, the fact that they, you know, have been without weapons basically for him to throw to. And it's something that's gone on for years. And now Devonte Adams has gone obviously. And that's kind of really showing up this year, really big time. So yeah, I don't know what to make of this Packers organization other than the fact that they just don't, they, they seem like there's a lot of chaos right now. And obviously that plays into the bills hands. The bills should really kind of roll in this game, but it's the NFL. We see it every week, Matt. I mean, that just doesn't happen all the time and it's Aaron Rodgers, So I just wouldn't dismiss him like that. No, I don't think anybody should dismiss him because if there is somebody who's got a puncher's chance, it's him. It's the guy who's the reigning NFL MVP, but it's the lack of weapons that he has when they're fully healthy. And now it's the lack of weapons that he has when they're a little bit banged up. Like Alan Lazard, when we're doing this on Wednesday, did not practice in green Bay and he's their number one option right now. It looks like they're going to have Sammy Watkins come back, but I don't know how terrified bills fans are of Sammy Watkins. If he's their number one option, the run game is something that would concern you with Aaron Jones and with AJ Dillon, but the bills run defense has been unbelievable this year. So I think if that continues and you really force them to beat you in the air, which sounds crazy, it sounds very counterintuitive to how you would have went against the Packers in years past. I think, excuse me, that's a matchup. The bills really have an advantage in. Yeah, for sure. Um, the bills should have that advantage. You, you take a look at it and what his leading receiver is Robert Tanyan. Um, Aaron Jones catches the ball to the backfield. I know you talk about Sammy Watkins. You know, I mean, you know, who knows what to expect with Sammy all the time, but yeah, they just don't have those weapons. And the other area is the bills defensive line, right? Going after Aaron Rodgers, a banged up offensive line. Bakhtiari. Do you know the situation with Bakhtiari? Have you read about that? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's crazy how it's well, played that, out. The left tackle, like, tore his ACL. I think it was his ACL. He had surgery back in January. He was out for the playoffs. They decided this year to only hit a bunch of surgeries. They decided this year to not to, they didn't want to practice him three days a week to take load management off him. 
so he's been practicing every day, but, but then he said, so, so he didn't want to do that. Excuse me. But then he said, basically, well, I want to practice. I want to be out there. I'm You know, I just want to be with my guys. So they allowed him to practice three days a week, but it's been a detriment and he hasn't been fully healthy in games. Then he had to miss a game. So now they may not actually play him or practice him all week. Like the original plan was And Matt, He might not even play this week again against the bills. It, th- it feels like everything that could have went wrong in green Bay this year has gone wrong because they were a legitimate Super Bowl contender. A lot of people thought even without Devonte Adams, they were like, this team is built on its defense and Aaron Rodgers is still good enough to get it done with the pieces that he has, but it just doesn't feel like it's played out that way. They're getting exposed. They're letting teams that are far inferior hang around in games with them. And then ultimately they are not able to make the player two that they need to. And then they still lose the game. So I think, I mean, the bills are 10 and a half point favorites in this game. It's the first time that Aaron Rodgers has ever been an underdog of more like double digit points. So 10 and a half point favorites it's at home. I don't think that it's fair to completely dismiss the Packers in this game, but I also think the Bills should roll. I think the bills are the much better team top to bottom. Yeah, I agree with that. Let's take a look at the other side of the ball. Um, Stefan Diggs, Jair Alexander, even, even Josh Allen said today that he expects Jair Alexander to follow Stefan Diggs around it. Jair Alexander can be really good. What's interesting about this Packers team is they are the number one team in the NFL, as far as pass defense yards allowed per game. But if you dig deeper into that stat, we had Rob Domofsky who covers the uh, Packers for ESPN NFL nation on the extra point show on WGR. And he even said, yeah, but they don't get their hands on a lot of balls. They only have two interceptions and teams just don't have to throw on them because they're playing from ahead. The other team and the Packers are behind. So it's kind of interesting. It seems like even when something looks like it's going right, the people who cover the team are saying it's not as right as you think it is. This feels like it's a game where they need to get everybody involved. This feels like a single Terry game. This feels like a game where maybe you start to let James cook, get some more carries, get some more touches. Who knows if Zach Moss is available, but that's an area where they are beatable. I mean, it's the defense in general. They're not as good as we thought they were going to be. So I think, yeah, Stefan Diggs is going to have a little bit of a tougher matchup than he's used to having, but it's still a winnable one because Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen could beat anybody one-on-one or even if there's, multiple people trying to stop him. But I think this is a big game for the secondary targets and for the running back. So specifically Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, maybe Khalil Shakir, who knows if Jay Kumaro is ready to go and he's back in the lineup, it'll probably be a day where he has a couple plays, especially going against his former team. But I also think the running back should be able to have some success in this game. I think the bills are trending, even though they're coming off a game where they had an entire first half of really just kind of mistakes. I think the bills are kind of hitting their stride to being a more complete offense. And I think we saw that against a chiefs defense that I think is better than maybe some people think, but in the second half, they were, they were so good in that game. It's hard for me to think that they're not going to keep that momentum going, especially after a week off. And as they're getting healthier bills, uh, Packers on Sunday night at uh, what? 8 20 PM. It's a Sunday night game. It's gonna be a fun Sunday. Thinking about this the other day that the bills, you know, if you're a bills fan, you had, Week one to watch all Sunday afternoon games because they played on Thursday. Week two, you watched all Sunday afternoon games because they played on Monday night. Uh, they had a 425 game against the Chiefs, obviously. You could watch Sunday afternoon. You had a bye week, you watch all Sunday afternoon. You could do it again this week. It's like the fifth time already in eight weeks that Bills fans can actually watch Sunday night games, Sunday games take place before or after their own team plays, which is pretty cool. So what will you be doing on Sunday? Now, I know you talked about getting to the stadium and everything, but how will you consume football that day, knowing there's a game that night for us to be a part of and you to cover? Well, what time do you usually get there? So for an eight o'clock game, what, will, what time will you get there? 
Oh, wait, wait, I usually get there for a one o'clock game at eight o'clock. I was going to say, holy dedicated. Oh, so that's, in there at 8 a.m. So five hours. So generous. So three o'clock would make sense for me in this situation. Um, so I would say between three and four o'clock, I will arrive at the stadium. That's kind of my plan. What I'm honestly thinking right now is that I'll watch the first half of the one o'clock games on red zone. And then I'll probably leave my house and start to head down to the stadium. I'd expect traffic to be bad because it always is at this point. Tell me if this is right. I don't know if you saw this. This is the first Sunday night football game in orchard park with fans since what, like 2007 or something. I think I saw that around this week. That's nuts. The New England Patriots, 56 to 10, I believe they beat the Buffalo Bills. It was their undefeated season. And that game was flexed into Sunday night football because the Patriots Ew. were undefeated and playing like they were. And it was horrible. And I think that the Bills the, actually were, I think the game was tied 10 10 at one point. Is that the game that Kevin Everett walked out onto the field? Yes, I believe. Or they showed a video of him or something. It was something. Along those lines, yes. And Randy Moss had like a oh, bajillion yeah. touchdowns. Oh, like in that he game. did every week. Yeah, like he did every week. He had four maybe in that game. I don't even remember three, four, but he yeah, that was a it was a it was a beatdown. But this is that was the last time. And then they had Sunday night at Pittsburgh in mm-hmm. 2019 was the only other Sunday night game they played after that. And then Sunday night at home against Pittsburgh without fans. Yeah. And now, and now this next game. Wow, that's crazy to me. It, it, because uh, like in Sunday night last year in Kansas city, but you're right. The home game. Yeah. Is it. Wow. That's really interesting to me. Another thing that sticks out about that game, the one against the Patriots, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent on this, but I'm like 90% that I've seen a clip of Tom Brady before talking about that is the best game he's ever played in. Like really they, the most efficient in sync game. He said he's ever played was a game against the bills. And I'm pretty sure it was that Sunday night football game. He was like, everything that we did felt like it was working. And I almost specifically, it was like one of those NFL 100 videos where they were yeah. talking about the hundred best players in the league and all of these big defining moments. And they asked him like, what's the most perfect game you've ever played. And I'm fairly certain he said it was that game. So the bills on the wrong end of that one, but much brighter and better days ahead. If you're a bills fan, for sure. Matt, what is the, what is the first Bills Packers game you remember? Uh, uh, honestly, it's 2014. I don't remember really? anything. Yeah, because I'm trying to think of the games that have happened since then. And I don't remember much. I mean, I remember everything about the game that happened week four of Josh's rookie year because they got shut out, right? It was the week yeah. after they beat the Vikings. So in 2014, that was the game when, you know, the bills won Bakari Rambo game, the Aaron Rodgers shove to my chest. I remember everything about that day. I don't remember the most recent time before that. What would it have been? 2010 uh, would have been in green Bay in 2010. Uh, the bills would have lost that game. because it would have been every four years. Um, and then before that would have been 2006 in Buffalo with Brett Favre as a starting quarterback, obviously. Um, I don't remember. I don't remember either of those games in 2010 is weird. Cause I remember almost all of the games from that era, right? I don't remember them going to Lambeau in 2010. Um, I'm going to try. I got, I got it here. I can look it up real quick, but I think the, the bills got blown up pretty badly. I think of that game. If I remember right. In fact, wasn't that, yeah, there was like EJ maybe right. Would have been EJ and no, not EJ. No, no, that would, have been bef- that would have been before him. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been JP Lossman. I think I got to look it up now. Cause I have this here. Oh, here we go. I got it right here. 34, uh, seven, 2010. Yeah. Clay Matthews had three sacks September 19th, 20 yep. to 10. 
I think, oh, I think the bills did they score late? Like the seven points did that come late in the game? Even, you know what? Now I remember it. Now that I'm looking at the box score, I remember it was early in the year. I remember the bills lost week one going into this game. Yeah. I mean, Trent Edwards was 11 of 18 for a hundred and two yards and two interceptions. Think of that stat line. You know, Fred Jackson scored the only touchdown 13 to seven. Um, the first one, I think I really remember would have been 1988, maybe. And the quarterback for the Packers, believe it or not, was Depew native Don Mikowski. And they came to Buffalo and the bills just trounced them. Um, 30, 28 to nothing. I'm looking now. Don Mikowski was the starting quarterback for them. Says Rob Riddick, Butch Roll, Mark Kelso had a pick six, 78 yard pick six for the Bills in this game. And then Leon Seals, the Bills had two defensive touchdowns in this game. That's the first one I remember. But the reason I'm bringing it up is do you realize the Packers have never won in Buffalo? They're 0 and 6. I didn't. I didn't know that until this week. And then I saw the stat floating around there. So then, yes, I I was aware of that stat, but it was not something that I was, you know, that I really knew going into it before this week. It's wild, man. Mike Shope on WGR (laughs) furthered the point by saying to me, well, first of all, it's not only just 0-6 for the uh, Packers being here. The Bills haven't won in Lambeau in quite some time. Um, the last time, the last time the bills won in Lambeau was 1991. Okay. The starting quarterback, which, which makes it the last home starting quarterback in this series to lose was Mike Tomzak. Okay. He was the last home starting quarterback. I talked with Steve Tasker about this game in the media room. So do you remember that? Okay. First of all, the game was played at Milwaukee County stadium, not at green Bay, not at Lambeau. And the reason why is they used to play two games a year at Milwaukee County stadium where the brewers used to play. Part of the reason was they couldn't sell enough tickets at Lambeau. That's crazy. That's what they played two games a year. One of them was that game. So what Steve Tasker remembered about this game, which is incredible. He said, both teams shared the same sideline. What? Because of the way that the field was designed in the stadium, you couldn't have, didn't have enough room on opposite sides. So both teams shared the same sideline for this game. So I'm looking at the stats right now. You were right about Mike Tomes, Tom Zach, yes. whatever his name is. Former so Jim, Ohio State quarterback, yeah. Jim Kelly was 17 to 35 for 232 and two touchdowns. He also had a rushing touchdown. It's your normal cast of characters you would expect for the 91 Bills team. But yeah, they won 34 to 24. And you're right. It was at Milwaukee County Stadium on November 10th, 1991. And so, by the way, later on, uh, several years later, Steve Tasker also played another game in green Bay and it was his final game. And the one he was ejected from. Oh, really? Yeah. Steve Tasker was ejected from his final NFL game. He was retiring and everybody knew it. And he got ejected from the game for touching an official respect. Love it. Go out, <laughs> go out with a memorable moment. So everybody remembers, uh, do you remember what you were doing on November 10th, 1991, November 10th, 1991. I would have been a freshman at Syracuse university. You don't want to know. Was I wasn't I, I wasn't even born yet. Oh, okay. Oh, I was just saying, I didn't want to know what I was doing. I'm like, what was I doing? <laughs> oh no. I was just gonna say, yeah, I wasn't I alive. I wasn't I was alive yet for an, for another year. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, but yeah, it was um I do remember those Packers games and I do remember the Bills getting <laughs> completely um uh you know 
beaten up pretty badly in the game in 2018 as well. Josh's rookie year when Josh said on Wednesday, he didn't know his left from his right and protections and things <laughs> like that, which were really funny. All right. So bills Packers Sunday night football, 8 20 PM here in orchard park. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day, your weekly source for all things Buffalo Bills. Right on time, your time. In the car, navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Matt, you got some questions that came our way for this podcast today? Yeah, so there's a bunch of them, and there's some football ones. There's some fun ones. You know, it's kind of a mixed bag because we're getting that close to the trade deadline. I'm going to start with this one. This is from Brandino. How impossible would it be to swing a tackle for Quentin Nelson? Uh, I think pretty hard. What do you think? I I mean, like 0% chance. (laughs) Why would they do that? Why Why would the Colts do that? Well, they stink, but I don't think that they would trade their franchise. No, hard. just because you just because you're not good doesn't mean you're gonna trade your best player. I mean, I know teams have done that, like like Von Miller, you know, was traded last year. I get it, but this is a young guy who's still, you know, got a lot of years ahead that has a great a big contract. Like that's not going to happen. Another question is about trading for Jonathan Taylor. And that kind of speaks to the same thing. I would have no interest in the bills trying to trade for Jonathan Taylor. And I don't think fans should feel that way. Or I don't think fans should want him either. No, I, this whole thing about trading for a running back, like, no, no, they, thanks. they don't need to keep handing the ball off. Like they, they, they win by Josh Allen throwing. And by the way, Devin Singletary averaging like five yards of carry over the last three weeks. I mean, what they're doing on the ground is, is good. Now I, I understand if you, any position you want to get better at, I'm all for but by trading an asset for a running back, especially somebody who would cost a bigger asset, you basically have to justify that in some way. Like what's your plan for that? You're going to use them a lot. You're going to hand off the ball. That's that's balls taken away from Josh Allen throwing it. And that's not what I want to see. This one is from Van's dad. And the question just is, why isn't Trey white playing this week? And we talked about it a little bit at the beginning of the episode, but I think Trey white is just not playing this week, probably because they don't think they need him to be ready right now. And they want him to continue getting fully healthy. Like if this was a situation where it was a playoff game, my guess is that Trey white would probably be out there. That's a guess. That's an educated guess, but I think that's really it. I don't think they want to rush him back. Do you agree? hundred percent. I think this is all about, we, we said it for how many months they are going to slow play this, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't we talk about this in training camp and beginning of the season? They're going to slow play this as much as possible. And this is the ultimate 
slow play as much as possible. They're just going to basically, um, you know, put him on the field when he is ready to play and they're going to take as much time with that. And again, just because he's activated, if, and when he is, does not mean, um, he is going to play by the way, I looked into this during the podcast. Okay. How about this? This is on the spot recorded or reporting during the podcast. I looked into it and my sources tell me, here we go. All right. The practice period window for Tredavious white does end on November 1st. However, the bills do have one extra day to activate him, which would be November 2nd at 4 PM. So conceivably they could make some trade deadline moves on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, they would have to activate him by four o'clock. Correct. I think what this is saying, and I don't know this for sure yet. If he's not, if he, if he's not activated by November 1st at 4 PM, he can't practice on the second, but they can still activate him that later that day. Okay. So that might be uh we show up at practice for jets week and he's not out on the field, but we know why he's not out on the field. Exactly right. Yeah. So I think it, at least we know though, but that is, that's what my information is telling me. And um, that's how it's going to look. So we'll see exactly what they do, Matt. But we said there was some ambiguity makes sense. Now the 21 day practice window ends on November 1st. They do have one more day to actually make the official roster decision if they want. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, all right. This one is from Brian. He goes, a name that I haven't heard being thrown around as a possible trade target, Stefan Gilmore. And then he goes on to make the case. Do you think the Bills have any interest or should have any interest in Stefan Gilmore? Also, why are we talking so much about the Colts? We talked about Quentin Nelson, Jonathan Taylor, and now Stefan Gilmore. The Colts having a fire sale that we know, I, don't know I, about? I, uh, apparently. I, why, why would the Bills need Stefan Gilmore? They have a they have a couple of rookies playing really well. They have Tredavious White coming back. They have Dane Jackson. I don't Why would they need another corner? They're adding a corner in Tredavious White. I'll give you a name. Somebody that has been traded already three times in his career, and he's good. Brandon Cooks. Oh, I don't I wish. I think Brandon Cooks is such a good player. Me too. Such a good player. I just don't see it. I, I don't think so either, but the only reason I'm bringing him up is because he seems to get traded every year in some way or shape or form or every couple of I, years. I think and I his, 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 his base salary is very, very minimal because he restructures his contract, which means that almost all his money is coming after this year. What would you be comfortable giving up for Brandon cooks in a trade. If you were the bills, what would be your like amount of uh, capital you would give up? Maybe a fifth rounder, maybe a fourth at most, maybe. Oh, see, I was going to say I would do it for a third. I think Brandon yeah. cook. I think Brandon cooks is a sick player. He's really good. I think, yeah, I, he's fast. You know, this is the kind of guy they could use, right? Mm-hmm. Brandon cooks is still in his twenties. He's 29. He's been in the league for nine years, which yeah. is bananas to me, but he would be an interesting one. There's a lot of names that are out there. Here's another question that actually, well, do you know, I, do you know, by the way, that if he gets traded one more time, he will tie the NFL record for one player being traded in an NFL career. Eric Dickerson was traded four times. Oh, really? No, yeah. I, I did not know that. That's a good little fun fact to have. All right. This is coming from Scott. And this is something that must've been talked about on Joe Biscalia's podcast, but he goes after listening to Joe Biscalia's pod, who do you think would benefit the bills more Josh Jacobs or Jerry Judy? So two more potential targets that I think have been thrown out there, both in the AFC West of those two guys, who do you think the bills would be better? I, I would be better for adding, I guess. I still want to go to the receiver because I don't know how much better you can get. Like, what's the, 
what's the return on investment at a running back? That's the, that's the point for me. Like, what's the return on investment? Are you, you're not giving him the ball 25 times. I hope you're not. If you no. are, then it's Josh Jacobs. If it's, if not, then I think it's Jerry Judy. I think it's one of those things or what are you trying to do? Because Jerry Judy wouldn't be a, you make that trade for him now. And then you're worrying about him down the, you know, you're letting him walk. That's not how it would work with him. Josh Jacobs would be almost purely a rental. Josh Jacobs is like, okay, this is an improvement at running back for this year. And then he's probably going to walk because he didn't get his fifth year option where Jerry Judy is still a young player. It would probably cost you more to add a player like Jerry Judy, but man, would he be a nice little option for you? Same thing. I know a lot of people are talking about Elijah Moore. I don't see that situation happening because of the division, but he would be a dynamite addition for a team that needs a young wide receiver somewhere oh, outside of the AFC. How about DJ Moore? Give me him, right? DJ Moore, but same thing. DJ Moore's got such a big contract yes, that I just don't right. think that no. that makes sense for a team like the Bills. It makes sense for a team, honestly, trying to do what the Bills did with Stefan Diggs a couple of years ago, who's like, that guy could be even better if he had a real quarterback. I don't think DJ Moore is the level player that Stefan Diggs is, but I think he's a really, really good player who just hasn't had a fair shake because he's playing with who is it? Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, PJ Walker, Cam Newton. The list goes on of quarterbacks. And I would say too, that it appears that the Kansas city chiefs are going to be in on one of these players as well. Oh yeah. Um, you know, they restructured the contract of Kelsey and there's been some reporting on even Brandon cooks. I saw his name mentioned and tied to them. Um, DJ Moore. We'll see, but, you could very well see the Kansas City Chiefs make a move like that. I have a question for you. Go ahead. No, I was going to ask you if the Chiefs make a move, do you feel like the Bills are in a position where they also have to make a move? No, I think the Bills should not do anything based on what anybody else does. They need to make their best decisions for them. To me, Matt, that's how you make mistakes is by making a move because someone else made a move. You need to do it because you think it's in your best interest, not because you have to counter something another team did. And then I'm going to ask you one follow-up. I agree with everything you said. If the bills make a move, give me the position of the move they trade for offensive line. I agree. I agree. I I think think a little more depth there could be added. I think it's going to be a guard that probably we didn't know was going to be on the market. Who's probably got a ton of starting experience. Maybe they're an upgrade. Maybe they're about the same, but at least it gives them another body in that room that they can trust. If the injury bug hits, what was your question for me? Um, Okay. So, I am having this battle and I, I always try to, people think I'm trolling. People think I'm trying to be funny or snarky and I'm not, I'm being very serious. I have a hot take, if you will. And my hot take is that I think, I think overall bill Belichick is an average coach. I think that it's showing now he might be the most accomplished coach ever. And he's earned all those super bowl rings. I'm not taking that away from him. I'm not taking anything away from his legacy, but he's now nine games under 500 in 157 career games coach without Tom Brady. And he seems to have no semblance of any, anything that he's doing with this particular quarterback situation. And I think that he's an average coach. He's an average head coach. So is the no, argument he's not an that- average football coach. He's a great football coach, coordinator, position coach, football mind. I think he's an average head coach who would do is doing just about what anybody else would do. An average coach in the same situation without the greatest court quarterback of all time. Can you, can I make the argument? I don't, I see what you're saying. My question is, could he have at one time been the absolute best? And maybe since he slipped, 
Is that fair sure. or does it have to be one or the other? Cause I would say for all of those years that they won, he's still to me the best football coach in NFL history, because I know he had a great piece like Tom Brady, but he also had to figure out how to win with a great piece and he was yep. able to get it done. I think since they've slipped, I don't think that yep. he should be the GM and the head coach and that everything they do is gospel because I just don't think that it works that way anymore. And I think he's shown that like they've made a lot of mistakes. That being said, though, I, I do still think in the history of the NFL, there's a reason he's the most successful guy. So I think what you're saying is fair. And I, whenever I talk about this and I point out the record, people try to spin it as me saying he stinks. I don't think he stinks. I just think that you could put a lot of really decent coaches, average coaches to above average coaches in the same situation as him with Tom Brady and they would win multiple Super Bowls. But I will give him this. I do think he was perfect for Brady. And I think mm -hmm. Brady was perfect for him. I think it was the absolute best marriage. They brought out the best in each other and he deserves all the credit for that. He helped develop Tom, the um, off the field connection, the on the field connection, whatever it is, they deserve all that together. But I think what you're saying is probably right. Where at some point though, see what's happened to me is for me, He's been coaching for so long. I think he's still trying to coach like he has Tom Brady. He doesn't have Tom Brady anymore. He can't just go out there and say, well, I'll have my quarterback cover up for all the mistakes and you know, that's okay. And have this roster. That's not full of all these weapons. Um, they can't do that anymore. So I think right now, at least right now, he's an average head coach and he has, look at, he's coached 157 games without Tom Brady. One other coach in NFL history has coached exactly 157 games. Gary Kubiak, and he has like a 10 game over 500 record. Gary really? Kubiak. Yes. Hey, okay. Bum Phillips coached like 160 something games. Well, better record than what you see Belichick have in his 157 without Brady. I'm going to branch off your take, and it's just something that I've been thinking about the last couple of weeks. I think Mike Tomlin is another really solid NFL coach, and I think that his best years are behind him because they make some really ridiculous decisions, like really bad decisions. And, and I get and Roethlisberger covered up for a lot of them before, uh, right? It's just like some of the decisions on when to kick field goals, yeah. when to go for it, yes. when not to go for it. And some of that also is that I just feel like they don't trust their young quarterback yet. And I get that, but man, are some like, some of the kicks that they tried to go for against the bills when you're massive underdogs on the road and you're already down by two or three scores, what is kicking a field goal do at that point? You're just giving up on the game. And it was the same way the other day when I was watching them go against the dolphins. I'm just like, what is some of this decision-making Mike Tomlin is this guy who always covers the spread, you know, good teams, win, great teams cover the spread. You're like, wow, that guy's always got it figured out, but there's just something about him too. Like, I, I feel like there's the like group of legendary coaches, which is, Belichick Tomlin's in there because he's one, one, I think Andy Reid's in there. Andy Reid's an offensive mastermind, but also makes a lot of bad decisions on when they punt the ball and when they should like, you've got Patrick Mahomes. Yep. You should go for it. Probably every time regard, like if you're close to midfield or in your opponent's end of the field, you should be going for it. And they don't do that. And I think that lets teams hang around more than they should. And I'll, I'll, I'll put a bow on this Belichick conversation by saying one of the counterpoints to me is someone saying, well, you could say that about any NFL head coach without like, look at, are you, what about Walsh or what about Levy? And I'm yeah, that's the point. Isn't that the point? That's what I'm trying to say. I don't think Marv Levy is as good a head coach without Jim Kelly. I don't think Bill Walsh would be as good of a head coach without Joe Montana. There is one guy though. I always bring up. I think he is the greatest coach ever. Joe Gibbs before your time. I get it. Mm -hmm. You might know who Joe Gibbs is. You didn't watch him coach. 
Matt, Joe Gibbs won three Super Bowls in 12 years and went to a fourth with three non-Hall of Fame quarterbacks. That, to me, is coaching. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty good. I mean, imagine that would be, and you know, that would be like Josh Allen moving on from the Bills and Sean McDermott leading this team to three Super Bowls with just, three different quarterbacks. That's what I mean. With Case Keenum, with whoever, and with right. whoever. That's that's why I say astounding. to me. So, so I say to me, you give me a solid roster because those Redskins teams were good, and it was Washington Redskins at the time. They were really good, but they didn't have great quarterbacks. You give me a really solid roster without a, not a great quarterback. I'll take Joe Gibbs to coach him over any coach I've ever seen. So the, so you're saying Joe Gibbs is the, you, in your opinion, the best coach of all time, but nobody's arguing that Bill Belichick is the most accomplished coach of all exactly time. Exactly right. Because there was a big difference between most accomplished and best because it was just the most accomplished. Robert Ori would be one of the greatest NBA players ever. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I totally see what you're saying. How did we get to this point, by the way? Because I needed to get validation for my Bill Belichick take. Okay. I, I'm here to support. Are you. you validating me? I'm validating you. That's what podcast partners do. We lift I each appreciate other up. That. I was looking for validation because I tweeted out his record on Monday night without, um, after they lost. And I just, I get a lot of, I get a lot of good feedback on it, but a lot of people think I'm just trying to be silly and troll Patriots fans. And I'm not, it's an, a sincere take. Well, I was still probably pretty loopy on the anesthesia Monday night or else I would have jumped in and tried to defend your take at that point. But I was seeing stars for a couple hours on Monday. All right. Well, listen, uh, you go recover a little bit more. We appreciate everybody for listening. Um, Predictions. Going to give our predictions. Oh, yeah. For this game. Yeah. I mean, the Bills should get to 30, right? Uh, Maybe. You know what? It's one of those funky games. I'm going to say, how about this? 28 to 17. I'll say a little closer, but. Right at the, right at the line, 11 point game. That's I'm going to say 28, 17. That's a, that is the spread. So that's what I'm going to go with 28, 17. I'm going to say bills 31 Packers 16. Okay. A weird score. I like, but I think, scores. I think the bills cover. I think the bills put up a few more points than you think they put up. I think the defense holds pretty well. I think the Packers, they're going to probably have a couple big plays because Aaron Rodgers, I trust him stretching the field, but I think the bills are a much better team. Well, we want to thank our producer. Lucas Buckley does a great job, you know, producing and helping us out with this show. And we want to remind everybody that you can always listen to the latest. It's always game day in Buffalo. Subscribe to us, iTunes, Spotify, Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate it. And I appreciate Matt Bove validating my Bill Belichick take. I will tell you that. I'm here for you, buddy. I appreciate you making <laughs> sure that we were able to get this podcast done with me with one foot right now. Um, we're going to see each other on Sunday though, right? Yeah, that's the plan. I mean, I got to get dropped off at the stadium. Like I'm a kid and I'm going to have my little scooter and I'm going to wheel it up into the press box. And I, love it. I was a couple of people were joking, asking if my scooter has a bell on it so I could let everybody Aww. know that I'm coming up. Yes. I told them I'm going to take one of those like clothes. Uh, what are they? Those pins and put like an old trading card on the wheel. So when I'm wheeling, oh, by, yeah. it's going to make that little noise in the background. So yeah, you should see me on Sunday. It's just, I don't know how mobile I'm going to be. Just be careful what card you use. It could be some like good rookie that, you know, years later, you're like, why did I put that in my spokes? <laughs> just because, you know, anything for the bit, I guess. <laughs> All right, buddy. Have a, uh, have a good week. Recover. Well, we'll see you on Sunday. We want to thank everybody for for listening.